Welcome back to SMX Insider. We are the Jasons, Wygant, and Thomas. We're going to break down pro motocross at Southwick. Uh, the gifts that keep on giving. First of all, the brilliance of Jet Lawrence. I feel now more dominant than ever and more dominant than I ever expected. He's now into the second half of the season, still undefeated, still perfect, and he's a rookie at a 450. But also Southwick JT giving us the championship drama we've been looking for all year. Hunter Lawrence now Two bad motos in a row, not his fault. First turn crash, bike problem. Now we've got a wide open and wild 250 class. Yeah, it's it's really the story of two different classes and, and completely different storylines in both. Jet has been phenomenal. He is his own storyline in itself. And then the 250 class, parody reigns. Uh, this is everything you'd want. It's complete uh, just confusion and no one knows what to expect every time the gate drops, which is, that's amazing, right? We don't know where the story's gonna go. We don't know who's gonna leave with the red plate. Everybody kind of assumed that Hunter Lawrence was gonna ride off into the sunset with his championship and then wait, everything goes sideways for him over the last, you know, over the two out of the last four motos anyway. And now Hayden Deegan, a 17 year old rookie, leaves a track that maybe he felt like was a liability going in he leaves with the championship lead so it's uh it's one of those things where it felt it feels like fiction but sometimes uh you know truth is stranger than fiction yeah and in addition hayden takes the points lead that's the big headline but also other riders justin cooper joe shimoda rj hampshire they're now all within 22 points of the lead going into the second half this 250 class you've got five riders that feel they can win the title and a sixth rider, Tom Vial, getting his first win ever. We'll talk about these stories later in the show, but Vial is probably going to play spoiler here down the stretch. That is wild. Now, for the 450 class, it's all in the control of Jet Lawrence. Can he be perfect? Let's bring in our experts on perfect seasons. Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart are the only two to do it. After Southwick, I talked to them about perfection in our big interview. Okay, it's big interview time, and it's too late now. We cannot stop the Jet Lawrence perfect season talk. We're in the second half of the year. He's won, uh, won all the motos, and we're joined by the two gentlemen who've had perfect seasons before. So I'll start with you, James Stewart. First of all, everybody wants to know, is this possible? Is it doable? It sure looks like it's easy. You've been saying it's a little harder than it actually looks, but what do you think? Well, I'm not saying it. I mean, Jet's saying it, too. We heard him after the podium. He said that was a tough race. His legs are shaking. Um, his riding style just makes it look easy, but he's definitely trying. Yep. I definitely think after today, it's it's possible. I mean, it's okay. going to be one of his biggest challenges with the racetrack, as we saw even with his brother in that 250 class. But, yeah, I, Jet, it was the first time I heard him all year long mention it um, about possibly going undefeated. So now he's starting to think about it, and I do believe it, it is possible it's going to be his biggest challenge. What's today? Okay. What do you think, RC? I think he has a. I think he has a great shot. This is what I look at. I like the tracks that we're going to. I think Washougal is going to be a tough one for him. Uh, it's narrow. If he doesn't get a, a good start for some silly reason, uh, he could be challenging there. I don't know what his. I don't know if his record is all that good there. I need to double check that this week. I will do that. But there's still some elements, and anything could happen. The weather could be bad. He could fall down in the mud or something like that, and you have to rely on the bike. We saw some mechanicals today, so anything can happen. Yes, does he have the ability to do it? Of course he does, but there's so many other factors. You have to get lucky sometimes, you know, a flat tire, chain come off, anything like that. So he's he's up for the task. He just has to have a little bit of luck go his way. I want to ask you this. I was there when you had your two perfect seasons. Uh -huh. I feel like there were a lot of motos where you would start third, fifth, you weren't necessarily getting every hole shot, but you were managing. Did you have a point where you were like, look, I just want to make sure I don't go down in the first turn. I don't need to risk it all for the hole shot. Did you start to have risk management 
I don't get him by the end of the moto scenarios? Well, I always had risk management, just, and I think you automatically have that when you're going for a championship. Okay. I, I will say there's more geared towards the championship, not 24 and 0. Mm -hmm. And you got, like, people probably don't believe me when I say that, especially the first time because no one had ever, do had ever done it, so. I, I didn't know really what to expect. So there was a little more pressure the second time I went because I knew what to expect. I'm like, oh my gosh, and you're like cradling and harnessing this possible perfect season. So it's tough, it, it, it's tough, but at the same time, I never would go into protection mode to try to go in 24-0. I would only go into protection mode to try to win the championship. I see. Now, for you, James, you said uh, the, the closest challenger you had at the beginning of your season was Michael Essie, then he went out. And you said it actually flipped things a little bit. Having less competition almost made it harder in some ways. Yeah, it, it made it harder for me, um, for sure, because, I mean, I felt like I had Mike pretty covered that year, but it was kind of like what Jet and, and Chase, like, I had to be honest. You know, maybe our first corner, if I went down, he, he was so good in the beginning part of races, and he always had a good start, so I knew he could get away, and it would make it tough. Um, but when he went out, yeah, I was why like, was it harder? Um, why do you think? Well, just because it was, I, I knew I had everybody else covered by a mile on speed. And even just the fact that they wasn't as good as Mike in the beginning part of the races were, if I got a 10th place start, I could lose 10 seconds messing around with other guys. Um, with Mike Alessi, he was just that good. And he wow. believed he was that good in the beginning. And so I felt like with him, he was still even I would beat him by a minute, he was still trying and felt like he could win. Where the other guys, it got to a point where they knew and only time they would challenge me if, if I did go down in the first corner. But if they saw me up, they were like, all right, he's going to come. So I started focusing on I want a whole shot. And then I started focusing on I don't want those guys leading laps. And that was my way of keeping uh, myself focused where we're watching Jet Lawrence. I do think having Chase and, and possibly other guys coming back in the season is going to help keep him locked in compared to if it was just like it was the previous races for Chase, then that would be more in that position where I'm like, all right, he's going to start focusing on something else because he pretty much knows he's going to win. Yeah, so we had a little tester last four motos, Sexton Ferrandis. There was no real test by the end of the day. I think we know where they stand after this one. Or can Sexton get better? Or we kind of know where we are now. What do you think? No, I, I, I do think, like, I mean, to Ricky's point, I mean, Wash Eagles and other race, okay. um, I, I, we heard Chase when he got off the track. He was upset. And, you know, it's even in that second moto, Chase was faster. You look at lap times, Chase actually had a fast lap time in him. So the speed is there, and even Chase says that. Um, I think Jet's just riding on that confidence. And what we keep talking about is that he's playing with him. There's a breaking point of that race where you saw Chase made that time up and he made a mistake. Jet happened to hit a perfect lap and he's able to get it and it just kind of breaks him. So by no means, I don't think Jet just feels like, oh, I, look, I'm, I got this. He, mm -hmm. he just knows that Chase is a good rider, but if he executes, then he's probably going to be Chase. You know, so he's going to keep him honest. Okay. It might make it harder, might make it easier in a way. Yeah, I mean, listen, in, Chase yeah. is an extremely talented rider, and he is capable of winning. I don't think it's going to be easy for him. I, yeah. I, I, do, I do believe that. I think for Chase, and it's not a slight towards him, he is the Monster Energy Supercross champion. He earned it. He was in the right place at the right time, and he had to perform to be in the position that he was in to take advantage of things that happened and I think he has a bright future. If he wants to beat Jet, though, he's going to have to get a good start. He can't spot Jet a good start. He's gotta be right there with him. He's gonna have to ride that edge. 
and he's going to have to try his hardest to put Jet in a position to force him to crash. Yeah, I agree. Straight up. He's going to have to rot like how he made, um, he passed Aaron Pleasant. Um, and I mean, excuse me, Dylan Fernandez on that edge. Yeah. He's going to have to make Jet um, have to rot in that uncomfortable zone. Um, that's his only chance that he's going to beat him because he's not going to beat him off of just technique yeah. and just being smooth. It's not going to happen. Make, make Jet make a business decision. Business decision. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How serious can the challenge be? We'll find out. We'll go to uh, Millville, Minnesota next week. Thanks, guys. Yep. Yep. Time for the 30-second board. Hot topics in the sport coming after uh, Southwick. And this is the cool thing about this event. It is built around the local racer more than any other promoter cross race we go to. And the locals showed out. Jimmy Dakotas out of retirement. In the end, his best finish ever in an outdoor motocross national. And Chris Canning holding it down in the 450 class for seventh. And the fans loved it. And the riders said they needed those fans because it was brutal conditions to deal with. Yeah, and this is always a, a thing at Southwick, right? And it's awesome. We've seen guys that can win championships come out of being locals at Southwick. And this is a little bit different from that. We have one rider that's retired and another one that's kind of moved on from the motocross scene. But here they are. Jimmy D was the fastest qualifier on Saturday morning. And then Chris Canning's running around in the top 10 in the premier 450 class all day long. So it was great. It adds to the intrigue and the, the legend that is Southwick. And I don't think it would feel like Southwick if there weren't local guys that were relevant on Saturday afternoon that we had to talk about. Yeah, and speaking of the legends of Southwick, if I hear anybody say, like, they don't know what it used to be like here, uh, we have facts on our side. The track is now operated and built by the legends that have blogged more laps than anybody. We're talking <laughs> Doug Henry, John Dowd, and the Johnson family, Keith and his dad, Rick, running the facility outright. And it's really cool because these guys used to be racing rivals. We think of them as buddies because they all grew up in the same area, but they were at each other's throats as racers, JT. Now they're best of friends and keeping the Southwick heritage alive. Yeah, I love this. They, they truly understand what Southwick is about and what it's supposed to be about. And I love the conversation that was going on leading up to the event where I, I believe John Dowd is the one that really wants to make it as tough as possible and add bumps where maybe they don't need to be added. And then that he's getting a little bit of pushback from the other guy saying, hey, you know, we need, we need to be a little careful about making it too difficult here. So just having that dynamic of guys that truly know everything there is to know about this race at the top level, it, it's unique. It, it's a really great aspect of the sport. So here's Keith Johnson, who uh, operates the facility on the camaraderie of these legends now working together at the track. To have John and Doug by my side, doing this whole thing. We grew up killing each other out here, literally killing each other for, for one point or two points for championships. And we've always been great friends, the best of friends. It didn't matter. We could knock each other down, drag out, you know, be all mad at each other after a race. And then five minutes later, everybody's fine. It's been like that our whole life. For me, it's invaluable to have these guys by my side, not just in the, um, the setup of the track, but the knowledge that they have as racers. Yeah, and they did their job. Those were brutal conditions. Even Jet Lawrence was completely exhausted at the end of it. And you see how efficient he rides. He's magical on a motorcycle, and Southwick almost took it away from him. And it took a lot away from his brother. Look, this is the worst case scenario, a bike problem and a first turn crash, two motos in a row. But Southwick is harder on equipment than other races, right, JT? It is, and we've seen 
uh, things like this happen before. If you go back to the days of Christoph Purcell, you could argue he lost his championship in the same way. He had an engine problem, and I believe the 2010 season that looked remarkably like this. So I think for Hunter, you have to take it in stride and you rely on the fact that you have been the best rider over the course of the first six rounds. That's all you can really do. Some things are gonna be out of your control. That's a part of racing. And you just gotta try to get back on track as we roll into Spring Creek. Now, the talk is uh, the points because Hunter's lost the points lead and Hayden Deegan has taken it. But let's not let that overshadow the world champion now, the Frenchman, Tom Biel, who is quietly getting better every single week, learning the format in America. He gets to a sand track. He's, he's from the south of France, not born and raised in sand. But JT, you know how it works in MXGP. Everyone eventually has to learn sand riding. And Vial was awesome at Southwick. Yeah, just like everyone else that rides, you know, the MXGP series, you end up living at Wommel. You spend every day riding at probably the gnarliest sand track on earth. I, I have not found one that is more difficult than the track that Tom Vial rode every single day for practice. So coming into Southwick, just like you said, you wouldn't think a French rider would be that deaf at this track. But he has so many hours. And I spoke with Roger DeCoster briefly. I'm like, you could see the laps at Lomo shining through in Vial today. Confidence, he had the speed, he had the fitness, all those things that maybe we would have been asking ourselves about a French guy. Not so much. He answered all those questions. And one more question for you. You talk to him on and off the podium in and around your interviews. He doesn't think this is just a Southwick thing going forward. No, I think he believes that he was working towards this, right? He has a lot of things that he had to work through. He doesn't know these racetracks. It's the first time he's seen most of these. He gets a couple practices and then it's race time. He's also got a completely different motorcycle than what he's raced motocross on in the past. The production-based unit that KTM can offer him is much different. The frame has to be just what you can buy. The engine, they don't have the same capability. So he's had to adjust himself along the way. And I think he's just finding his footing there and I believe he feels like he's turned a corner confidence-wise. So we'll see. There's a lot of racing left to go. But just mentally, I think he's in a very different place than he was a few weeks ago. Also worth noting that uh, Vial with his moto win and a Joe Shimoda won the second moto. That makes them automatic qualifiers, at least into the last chance qualifier, uh, the SMX World Championship playoffs later in the year. Now, you mentioned a complete shift in mentality. How about the shift in mentality for Hayden Deegan from a rookie expected to just learn? At least we thought that on the outside. He's got the points lead. But uh, from what you saw at the podium, he might have been more disappointed on this day than any other day this year. And that's how quickly the expectations just shifted. He wants every point and he wants this title. Yeah, he had to be so conflicted because I could see the agony in his face. He knew that a 10th place in the second moto wasn't what they came there for. That's a, that's a difficult result when you're trying to win a championship. But then I think he had to take solace in the fact that he's your new points leader. So that's that's the roller coaster of emotion that these riders go through is not a great moto. But guess what? The, the prior points leader, Hunter Lawrence, had a horrific day. So guess what? Your bad day was good enough to get you into the points lead. So, yeah, welcome to racing to a 17 year old trying to win a championship here. It's it's trials and tribulations. Now, let's look at our point standings here in the Super Motocross World Championship. A couple things to note. Uh, these guys that are moving up, you got Seth Hamaker only has two races under his belt. He's creeping now toward that top 30. And then top 20 are guaranteed to have gates in the uh, main events and motos at every single one of these playoff rounds. So you're seeing this weird situation where riders are coming back from injury as we anticipated and starting to do well. Also, Ryder DeFrancisco moving up. He didn't race Supercross this year either. So 
Some updates there also. At the top, Hunter Lawrence still a big lead, but just getting in, we learned at Southwick, you just get in, anything can happen, JT. Yeah, it's interesting. And it's going to be a fluid situation the whole way. You know, we're watching it. You can guarantee that all the riders that are on the bubble are all watching it too. And we're watching riders, just like you mentioned, Seth Hamaker coming off of injury. He's got to climb up the ranks here. And some of these other guys that had a really strong Supercross season are sliding down the rankings, whether through results or through injury. So it's going to be interesting when we get to Ironman and we start to look, maybe even after the first moto and see like, hey, the second moto, it's all going to come down to whether you're going to be sitting on that line for the LCQ or you just glide right into the, to the, uh, the main events. And for a brand new dynamic, this SMX playoff theory, it's awesome. There's so many new attributes to the series that we've never had before. Probably the biggest mover when you saw that chart is Joe Shimoda. So he finally gets to the level we expected him to be from the very first moto of the year. The rider out of Japan led the first moto of the season. I thought, well, he'll just win it. We know Shimoda's a contender. Nope, it had turned completely sideways. And then out of nowhere, he gets sixth in Moto1 and wins Moto2, part of a huge international contingent. We mentioned Hunter, we mentioned Vial with their European experience. You go to the 450 class, you had your buddy from Estonia doing well. Who's that, Krestinov, Gert Krestinov, right? Yep, Gert yep. Krestinov, yeah. Yep, uh, uh, Freddie Noren lives here now, but he's from Sweden. Uh, he had a strong come from behind ride in some of the motos. Uh, the international stars, especially in the 250 class, it's wild what they can do at Southwick. Yeah, it's great. I mean, riders like Lars Van Berkel and even Anton Goal made the the swing over from Sweden. He didn't have such a good day, but I love the international diversity that both classes are, are showing. Um, I, I think it truly leans into the fact that this is a world championship. The best riders want to all come and compete, whether it's in Pro Motocross or Monster Energy Supercross or at the SMX playoffs. Uh, it, it's truly grown. And, and I think everyone is seeing an opportunity to come over and, and test the world's best. Yeah, and we mentioned him almost every week here. Jose Butron, the veteran out of Spain, maybe the strongest rider on the track late in the final moto of the day in the 450 class. Great ride by him. And he and his teammate from Venezuela, Lorenzo Lucurcio, they're going to put Wildcat Racing into these playoffs if they keep that up. And nobody had that on the radar going back to January. That's what's so intriguing about this. You want to talk intriguing? What happened here? A couple of weeks ago with Cooper Webb, we were saying it's all falling into place. He's playing the long game for SMX standings. Maybe he doesn't catch Jet Lawrence and win the Pro Motocross Championship, but this is playing out perfectly for Webb for the long game. And now, just like that, it is over between he and KTM. Well, you don't know really what to think because this whole move to race this Pro Motocross Championship was thinking about the SMX playoffs. and. You know, Ian Harrison mentioned that they neither of them were prepared for this or a little bit unprepared anyway, and they were going to make it work. And, and Webb was getting better. And I spoke with him on and off camera, and it was a work in progress, both his physical shape and also working through testing on the bike, which they were very late on. But I felt he felt optimistic. You know, he moved into the SMX playoff uh, points lead after high point. So there was that working for him. And then all of a sudden, everything changes a crash. I'm sure there was a lot of conversation behind the scenes and all of a sudden his entire relationship with KTM comes to a close abruptly. So I'm sure we'll learn more in the coming months about how this, how all of this, um, you know, came to be, but yeah, what a wild turn of events. For now, at least KTM and Webb are publicly facing trying to focus on the positive. So here's the team manager of the squad, Ian Harrison, reflecting back at the successes that they did have together since 2019. We had an amazing five years together out of the 85 uh, Supercross races that we attended, Cooper had 52 podiums and 21 victories. 
So um, yeah, we, we're really proud of that, and, and two titles. So um, I'm 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 happy with what we we accomplished. It's like we we've decided to go our separate ways, and we wish him all the best in the future. Yeah, and that's the good thing. They're trying to keep it classy here because overall, look. KTM resurrected Webb's career. It was not good as the uh, first two years on a 450. He joined KTM, got much better, got them titles. That's great, but um, we're going to see him on a different color bike next year or maybe in these playoffs, and maybe we'll learn more about why this ended uh, so quickly. Hopefully, though, we do get to see Webb in the playoffs because he's going to be a contender there uh, no matter what bike he's on. Now, you see the topic on the screen, history lesson. We're talking perfect season. We already talked to RC and Stu earlier to get their perspective. I was at all those races, those three perfect seasons, covering it as a journalist, as an announcer. What really sticks out to me, oddly, there wasn't much drama. There weren't motos that went down to two laps to go and the guy's in third and he's got to pull off amazing passes to make it happen. It started to feel like a foregone conclusion early in the year. And that's what's scary for everybody else because doesn't it feel that way with Jet Lawrence right now? He's not pulling these motos out barely. He's in control from day one, which is exactly how it felt to me with Carmichael and Stewart back then. You know it, JT. You're on the gate in those three seasons. Well, I for sure wasn't thinking about beating him. That That's that, that's a definite. Uh, but I would say I was a little bit more positive leaving Southwick than I've been. If you were looking for some sort of confirmation that Jet was truly in control of what's going on around him, Southwick was a really good day for that for that theory. Um, he just was able to pick up the pace when he needed to. He didn't look like he was trying all that hard. And really, if you wanted to take any shot or it, take any determinant from that at all, it just was his level of exhaustion on the podium. He looked like he was the most tired of all those guys, but it only matters when you're on your motorcycle. And he didn't look tired at all when he was on his motorcycle. So I agree with you. Those guys in those 02, 04, 08 seasons felt like they were firmly in control. It never really seemed in doubt, it, as much as it can be on the way to a perfect season. And leaving Southwick this weekend, it really felt like Jet has a, a chance because we had questions before. Ferrandis was showing him a wheel here and there. Sexton was all over him at the opening round. There, there were signs that maybe he would have a slip up. Ken Roxon at High Point gave him all he wanted. But then at Southwick, on arguably the toughest track, on arguably the hottest day we'll see, it really wasn't that close. Um, so let's hope it gets interesting. But man, what an impressive performance for Jeff. Yeah, uh, remember, he's also a rookie and he's only 19 years old. Think about any sport being under the complete control of a 19-year-old. That is just unfathomable, even more unfathomable. Carmichael and Stu were two or three years into their 450 career when they did it. This is nuts. So we'll look at the 450 SMX points here real quick. Now, Jet's not at the top because he didn't even race Monster Energy Supercross, but with Webb potentially dropping, because we know this for sure, Webb is not coming back for any more promotocross. Probably back for the playoffs, we think. But there's a chance that Jet's going to even leapfrog ahead of him by the time promotocross is over. But Chase Sexton now firmly in control at the top. Yeah, if Jet keeps putting 50 points on the board, he's going to eat into Sexton's lead really quickly. And let's hope Sexton sticks around. I didn't know he was going to exit the series when he did last time. So he's still dealing with, I guess he's still dealing with a mono thing. I don't think it heals that quickly. So everything could change. I think Jet's up to seventh in the total SMX points as of today. And that's going to, he's going to quick, quickly close that gap down as he keeps winning. And yeah, it's really setting up nicely for a uh, an epic SMX championship run in those final three playoff rounds. A couple other riders to note, Garrett Marchbanks has been brilliant on a 450 for the Muckoff FXR Club Mex Yamaha team. Fifth 
in the second moto at Southwick. He's now right there, top 20-ish in points, looking to have guaranteed entry into the motos there. His teammate Phil Nicoletti is on the borderline of the top 30, only three races into his season on a 450 outdoors. Ty Masterpool is 20th right now. So these are guys that are making the most of this opportunity. I talked to the Club Mex owner, Brandon Haas, and he's like, we didn't have this in our deal. You know, when we signed March Banks, SMX didn't even exist, but we'll be glad to support him and basically give him bonus money at the end of the year if he can keep up these results. So that'll be something to watch. And finally, we will wrap with this. Normally, we would be sending it to Fowler's Facts right now, but our own Clinton Fowler, he's out injured. He tore his ACL, yes, on a motocross track, on his dirt bike. But we did get to hang out with him at Southwick because that's the track he was born and raised on. He's not just a calculator guy from MIT. He's actual motocross person. And I've experienced it. You have experienced it. Uh, sometimes the sport cuts both ways. And unfortunately, Clinton's going in for ACL surgery, JT. Yeah, it's tough. I, I've had that injury twice. And uh, yeah, hopefully his it's not affecting his fingers so he can keep giving us these great stats and tracking all this, this information as it's changing throughout the season. But yeah, we miss Clinton. And uh, I'm sure I'll be back soon. Modern medicine's a, a wonderful thing. Yeah, it was good to have him on hand in the booth hanging out at his local race at Southwick. I mean, he grew up with that Johnson family that runs the place. So remember, we're motocross people through and through here. Okay, we're going to wrap this show up so my family vacation can begin for real. They finally get some relief from me going to races all the time. But I will be back for Millville this weekend, JT. You can watch the show if you folks want to at home. Back, of course, on Peacock and the Super Motocross video pass outside of the United States. We'll also have an encore presentation on USA Network noon Sunday. As far as watching the racing lives, same times as usual. That'll be 10 o'clock local time for Race Day Live presented by Motorsport.com. Central time in uh, Minnesota and 1 o'clock local time in Minnesota, Central time. That'll be the Motos and, of course, our halftime show again on Peacock and the SMX Video Pass. JT, riders love the track at Millville. Yeah, it's arguably the best track on the circuit. It doesn't have the big event feel of Redbud being around the 4th of July, but just on a pure track bases where guys are excited to suit up and go out on Saturday morning. It is really tough to beat Spring Creek. Yeah, and we'll see that racetrack. Now they're away from the brutal conditions of Southwick. Sexton and Ferrandis, you know they would like to be closer. At least put some pressure on Jet. And in the 250 class, we've said it over and over. Six riders now have to feel they can win races. Five of them mathematically in the championship chase. And Hunter Lawrence a little bit wounded right now. So it is going to be crazy when we get to Spring Creek. Join us there in person or watch us. It's going to be a good one.